So, how was everybody's weekend while we wait to call the Des Moines Register? It was okay. We made did- chili. I have. Uh, I did the thing where I made chili and I uh, ate it for three days, and now I kind of feel like it's coming out of my pores. Little burpee. Little burpee. Little burpee. Little bloated. Did you make a batch of anything, Meg? No, absolutely not. Nothing that's coming out of my pores. God, it's cold in here. Right? I'm loving it. I know, but I've got the, the the vent is bouncing off the wall and onto the back of my head. So I guess the vest and the flannel shirt were a good idea. I feel like a chihuahua, like those naked ones that just like shake all the time. <laughs> I was going to use that, but that looks itchy. I feel... <laughs> then I'd add more problems. I think it's 100% cotton. Really? Uh, I'm guessing. No, that that's like... I wouldn't put that on my body. Know, I think I'll stop shaking. <laughs> I'll, I'll will myself warm. Yeah. Don't be an amateur here. Testing one, two, three on my mic. Testing one, two, three on my mic. Testing one, two, three on my mic. I'm Todd Meisner. And I'm Todd Wilbert. And I'm Todd. Oh my God, I'm Mike <laughs> McLaughlin. <laughs> this week's Talking Pictures podcast is a conversation with Des Moines Register photographer Zach Boyden Holmes, Michael Zamora, Kelsey Kramer, and Brian Powers about covering the circus, which was the Iowa caucuses. I think you'll really enjoy our conversation. Here it is. All right, well, we've got the Des Moines Register photo staff, or at least a portion of them on the on the line here to talk about the Iowa caucuses. I'm going to let them introduce themselves so you can recognize their voices when they say something inspirational. Uh, my name is Brian Powers. I'm Kelsey Kramer. I'm Zach Boyden-Holmes. And I'm Michael Zamora. Hi, guys. So have you recovered from the Iowa caucuses? Because you guys were at the eye of the storm. We were... We did a lot with it, but we didn't come anywhere close to doing it as much as you did. I think, I, I mean, I can say for myself personally, this is Zach, um, it, I'm recovered now at this point. It definitely took me most of, you know, it ended on Monday and it took me the rest of the week to uh, really recover and, and get back to normal. But it was also just kind of jarring to be going, you know, 100 miles an hour and then just have everything come to a full stop. Um, you know, it partially, I, I guess I got the short straw and had to get up and shoot snow snow pictures at 7 a.m. the day after the caucus. But, uh, <laughs> oh. uh, you know, Aww. walking around town to shoot snow features, uh, it was, you know, I, 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 I think I saw one TV crew from Denmark doing a stand-up. But other than that, this town was just kind of dead. And it was uh, people who, who hadn't left yet were about the only ones <laughs> Still, still trying to get out of town. <laughs> yeah, people who had gotten snowed in. So uh, uh, it was, it was you know, a great uh, race to the end and then just, you know, a, a full stop afterwards, which was the most jarring thing to me. As, as far as years go, was this year, because there, there's, I don't know, it, it felt like there's a lot more interest this year. Uh, and I don't know if it was, you know, Trump and Sanders kind of playing the uh, the spoilers or you know, for the, the, you know, the party faithful or whatever, but did you guys feel that too? Or was I alone? This was, this was my first year. This is Brian. Um, so I don't know. It, it was pretty exciting for me, but I, I don't know about compared to other years, I guess. Well, I think just because it was such a close race, um, for the Democrats and there was really no, like no one really knew how it was going to end. I think that there was just more people interested generally and just the weirdness of the Republicans and Donald Trump and, um, so many candidates. I think there's just a lot more going on than there is. I found it interesting that you'd use weirdness and Donald Trump in the same sentence. <laughs> well, you know, the interesting thing for for us was that as it being an Illinois newspaper that that whose offices can almost see the Mississippi River and Iowa from here, uh, you well, you can see it from the roof, yeah. but um, but you, that. How much the campaign's disorganization came into play when they would they almost forgot to call us at times was interesting. You know, we had to be really on the ball to make sure we were on top of things. Local party people were really good, but the campaigns themselves seems disorganized, which came into play a lot when, um, like for instance, Meg got kicked out of how many events? Three. three. I've been kicked out of three total. Since like June, 
So did you guys have any problems with, I mean, being Iowa's, Iowa's newspaper, the voice of Iowa, you guys were, I, I don't think you, no one had a problem with you being there or did you, there was it, did you find any organizational problems that you well, had to deal we with? We definitely had, we, we had some problems with Trump. Uh, <laughs> it, it goes back to August for us uh, when he uh, was gaining some traction. We had an editorial run in the newspaper saying that he was a, uh, a distraction from the election and that he should drop out. And uh, he didn't take very kindly to that. What? And, yeah. Go figure. And, and he ne- he refused to credential us uh, from that point on. So it's not like, you know, he, he didn't just kind of give us a slap on the wrist and say, okay, well, we're not going to deal with you for now. And then, you know, hey, we'll talk to us next month. He never, they never talked to us again. So um, I was talking to our... Uh, reporter who was covering him and she she spent hours in line in the cold uh, waiting to get into every single event uh as as did um i mean the photographers did, did the same you know trying to get in as, as a general population but uh it was really tough on the one reporter who went to all of his events wow. because uh she had to sit you know stand in line uh for hours day after day you know three or four days a week uh, which did wonders for her overtime, but uh, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Not, not much for her feet. So, yeah. Meg, what was your Donald Trump experience? Um, my Donald Dun- Trump. Uh, you almost said Donald I Duck. Said Donald Duck. <laughs> you almost said Donald Duck experience. That's how tired I am from the Iowa caucus. Um, no, my Donald Trump experience. I had something kind of similar. Absolutely not. A couple days in a row, but when I was there. He had no media credential. There wasn't anybody. There was this list that had, like, two people on it. And um, so I was out there with, I mean, I think Fox was out there, tons of different newspapers. There was a a newspaper from, or a TV station from Denmark even that was out there. Um, But they had us all wait in the cold, too. We had to wait, I think it was about an hour and a half. I had snuck in with these two bigger guys that were okay in and um, took off my coat and they dog sniffed me and everything. But then they realized that I wasn't actually supposed to be in. And so I was escorted out, but they kept my cameras and they kept my coat and my car keys and my phone. And so I had to wait out in the cold too until um, they decided just to let all of the media in anyway. So none of us were credentialed, um, but it was never going to be a problem. But they had us wait in the cold anyway until they decided it was all right. Is that when he threw media credentials at everybody? Yep. He just started passing them out. Like gold <laughs> yeah. Did you guys? Did you guys have, and it's the couple times that I covered Trump when he was here, um, you know, it's the same stump speech for pretty much everybody. And he goes through that thing where he starts mocking the media and he literally goes, and those guys back there and the whole crowd kind of turns. Like, I, oh yeah. It, it's yeah, a weird was, feeling, was, right? Was, it's not yeah. just me. He, he did that. I think probably every single one of his stuff. <laughs> But, you know, his first event in Iowa, I covered that. The first event after he announced he was running, he actually praised the register. Like, he, wow. he called the register a good paper and talked about an article that one of our reporters had just did and how he really liked that reporter. So, I mean, and then, like, a month later, he hated us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thanks, editorial board, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I really, I thought the register, go ahead. I was just going to say that the, the um, our reporter Brianne, she uh, they knew her at the events. They knew who she was, um, and they knew she was coming in as a regular person. But they still refused, despite the fact that they saw her and everything, and knew that she was there. They didn't kick her out once they recognized her, but they would never let her in uh, as media. So it was kind of like a, you know, like the, just they 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 knew and they were okay with it because they wanted the attention. But they were going to make a point about it, no matter what. Wow. Well, he didn't spend very much in Iowa from a from a from a dollar standpoint, and most of his his advertising was done through free media. I mean, we were covering him because he was the hot story, so that you know he didn't really need to spend a lot of money. He didn't run very many commercials on our side of the state. So I find it interesting that he was mm-hmm. yelling at us and tell, calling us, you know, sons of bitches or whatever, yeah. and, and then be like, hey. You got you to gotta cover me. So anyway. You know, one of the things I noticed that um, a bunch of our 
political uh, events happened at kind of weird places, kind of weird venues where we've got, you know, nice modern buildings here in the Quad Cities. And I assume Des Moines is probably the same. And uh, they ended up in like the call ballroom, which is, I don't know. I mean, it's heyday was in like, what, the 40s? Hillary just wanted to see Jimi Hendrix's signature, His signature was behind at the it. stage. Yeah. Yes. And it's, it felt like there was this kind of this weird, like perpetuating stereotype. Do they Did they do that? In, in Des Moines too or did you guys were you guys at uh, you know less than uh, ancient buildings and well, I feel like it was a pretty good mix um, I remember the, the first event I did was uh, an event Joni Ernst put on and it was just in front of a barn and they, they repainted the barn to make it look you know there. <laughs> it was just like this empty field and you know they they repainted the barn red and put this really beautiful like iowa mural where dreams are made kind of thing and of course you know backed up two semis full of hay bales and <laughs> <laughs> imported yeah. from another Cause, state because like, yeah i was gonna say because we're still doing hay bales here it was it was pretty silly i mean when you, when you actually looked at it and I think, you know, the last one that Rodney shot was in a barn. Yeah, the Ted Cruz one. I just chuckled when I saw his images from that because it's like, hey, nothing stereotypes. Iowans like hay bales in a barn. Let's talk politics, kids. Yeah, it really depended on the candidate. It was, and Marco Rubio was always in a hotel ballroom. Ted Cruz for a while, uh, no matter where he was, he had the same stage set up, so it almost looked exactly the same because of that, that trusted background. And Except that for when flag, he was in, so. like, a case. Yeah. So uh, it depended on the candidate, but uh, a lot of them were. Oh, yeah. It was, it was a lot of ugly uh, hotel ballrooms with, you know, every hotel ballroom has that terrible carpet. Oh, uh, that just is designed to make it so that you can't tell if it gets spilled on with all the, <laughs> you know, colors. Yeah. Um, and you know, low, low, ugly ceilings, you know, so they're kind of limited with that. But then like I shot, I shot Carly Fiorina at a come and go and, uh, she, you know, pulled her campaign, uh, RV up and got some gas and then came in and talked to voters for an hour at a, at a come and go. And, you know, that was, I think, an attempt to maybe, uh, make her more relatable and less like, uh power broker businesswoman but uh she buys gas for her big rv just like everybody else (laughs) i had covered um martin o'malley and chris christie and they both went to diners while people were eating they didn't close down the diners so there were people there that didn't expect there to be a a candidate i don't know if you had that same experience if you had restaurants Chrissy did that a lot. Chrissy was at yeah. a lot of diners, and, and I was I shot him once at a diner, the Machine Shed restaurant. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Where it was, it, it wasn't a special. Nothing was set up. He just came in. Uh, and, yep. And uh, walked around, and and some people were excited, some were not, and so. Uh, but it was just the, the morning breakfast crowd. That's when uh, by the Chris Christie. So. Get the hell out of here! I'm just trying to eat my eggs, Mister New Jersey boy. Yeah. yeah. I I did a I got a call. Um, I was actually on my lunch break, uh, and I was at the gym tr- uh, trying to find some time to get a workout in in between everything, and I got a call saying uh, that we had just gotten word that Hillary Clinton was going to show up at a coffee shop as a, uh OTR, uh, you know, not on her schedule, nobody knew about it, just it's going to happen in 10 minutes, get over there. And so I, you know, literally ran, you know, ran home, threw on pants over my gym shorts, and like you know, ran to this coffee shop, which thankfully was only a few blocks from my house. But it was pretty interesting. You you cover these massive events uh, where people don't have any access to a candidate like Clinton. And then uh, all of a sudden she just shows up at a coffee shop and nobody's there to see her because nobody knew she was coming. So half the restaurant ignores her completely. (laughs) And the other half is really excited and and actually gets to come up and have a conversation with her. Um, But like there was a guy... Uh, eating his sandwich and drinking his coffee, you know, five feet from Secretary Clinton. And uh, some of the campaign people were like, would you like to talk to her? And and he's like, no, me and my girlfriend are Bernie supporters, and she wouldn't forgive me if I talked to Secretary Clinton. So it was, you know, it's it's a real mix of, you know, you see see, uh, the difference in interest level of real people when when they didn't come, when when they weren't intending to see the Secretary of State that day. Yeah, it was the Chris Christie is the one candidate that caused me leg cramps. 
simply because in the bar that he kept going back to, which was the New Jersey Grill or the Jersey Grill in Davenport, he would hold his campaign event and people would sit in the booths that his his true believers or the Republicans that wanted to get to know him would sit in the booths. But the only place for us to be was kneeling on the floor in between the tables. And, you know, after a while, it's like, I'm starting to cramp up. And then you kind of start to inch up to, like, get blood to your legs. And some little old lady would tap you on the shoulder. I can't see. It's like, okay, I'll kneel back down, Grandma. So back down you go. And there's no place to move because the place is packed and you don't, you know, TV's all on one side and you're in among the tables trying to make a real picture and – and then Granny's on the on your backside tapping you on the shoulder every time you move. I can't see. You're distracting me. I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, ladies, giving the same sponge beach. Tune in tonight at 6. I'm still impressed that you were at the gym, that you got a workout in. I'm impressed with that. Yeah. I, I live a block from the gym, so and, and it's also a block from the office, so it's pretty convenient for that. Still impressed. Yeah. The, still seems the, ambitious. The, the gym's not like a bar called gym or anything, right? <laughs> Checking. That's the library. Yeah, there's one called the library. <laughs> yeah, that's right. yeah, in Ames. Hey, mom, I'm going to the library. How did you guys? And I, I you guys might be a little different than us, but we kind of when the national media rolls in, we kind of get treated like the red-haired stepchildren in the room. Um, do you guys? Are you guys? Do you guys get along with them, or do you guys get similar kind of, you know, step to the back of the bus, sir, treatment? <laughs> uh, I, I know a lot of the guys. I guess just from. Um, seeing them over and over again. So uh, as far as like, uh, you know, still photographers from Washington Post, the New York Times, I mean, you, you get to know them pretty quickly. And, and the, you know, the reporters from NBC and CNN and CBS all had, uh, uh, they all had embeds in Des Moines, uh, the networks did. So um, I got to know a lot of those uh, TV reporters. They, I mean, I think CBS had somebody, or no, CNN had somebody here eight months out, NBC six months out. So um, it's I think it's easier when you get to know the people and and um, they they recognize you and I think that helps win the press. And also they they when you cover them that early, um, you know them from when nobody's paying attention. So. Yeah. Yeah, I can understand that. I can understand that. I think where Todd was going was the fact that the campaigns. We're, we're more interested in the network coverage and the local coverage seemed to diminish. And I'm not sure that that would apply in Des Moines simply because as you, the paper of record, you probably weren't, um, you know, set to the side. I find that to local TV, local TV and local newspaper here on the edge of the state was never as important to Trump or, you know, Cruz or any of those people at when it came down to crunch time and for, we were here when nobody cared for example like bernie sanders when i covered his event we all had had been set up in the pool we were all ready to go when the campaign person the local campaign person came back and said okay well you guys need to make room for ap and getty like you need to move back because they're going to be here so we were always treated like we needed to move over so that they could be front um kind of felt yeah it kind of felt like we were not as important i kind of felt that we since we were the state paper we had we, it kind of came kind of went, worked in our favor both ways because when we had events where it was like like Hillary events they were big on letting local media in so we were we were considered local media hometown but then we got to like I was at a Ted Cruz event and it was me and uh, New York Times and a Getty guy trying to get in and I was like well I'm with the Des Moines Register and they're like oh okay well, well come on because you're the, the, the paper so sometimes we were we were kind of bigger papers sometimes we were able to work it as we're local media we're just a little guy and so. mm. <laughs> we're just a little guy so yeah so so it kind of worked in our favor both ways sometimes at least for me so. well and i think a lot of times at some of the bigger events uh you know where like ap with charlie or you know we know a lot of the guys who shoot for getty when getty needed freelancers here and it was a lot of it was you know whoever got there first would just tape off two or three spots so that you know, we knew where we were going to be set up. We would talk to each other, like, hey, you covering Cruz tonight? I'll get here at this time. You know, I'll tape off spots, or can you tape off my spot? So I feel like we had a good working relationship with everybody that was around. And you know, there's a couple time, times in scrums where you get separated uh, between the pack of photographers, and if they were being led somewhere, um, like everyone was 
pretty cognizant of the other photographers and everybody knew that they all had a job to do and everyone was pretty good about moving around. I think the only time that I had any issues was at the state fair. It was just because it was so many people and it wasn't with the, the media, it was with the general public that was just trying to get so close and that that was... The state fair was yeah. definitely the worst. Um, I mean, not just... For, for many reasons, the weather being one of them, you know, it was incredibly hot, but just the, um, the, the, I, but yeah, I've never been packed in more than I, I, the Clinton and Clinton, uh, came and then Trump came back to back. And, uh, I mean, you're, you, there were points where you're moving with this of people that, I mean, I could have just picked my feet up and it would have just, I would have just kept going with it. Um, you know, there was a, a gridlock literally with Clinton at the butter cow where, you know, they, the, the building was shut down, you know, one could get in or out. It was just so packed and it was 90 degrees. Um, and then it's, you know, I went, I, I got back into the media center after Clinton to, or to file those photos and they were like, Trump's here, go. So oh, man. I, wow. yeah, I, I literally sweat through my shirt and my shorts. <laughs> and, uh, the last time I think I sweat that much was covering the, um, John Deere Classic. When I, was I was just gonna. Uh, yeah. I was just. I was gonna. I was gonna finish your sentence for you, but I wanted to see where you were going. But yes, that's. Oh man. You know, you're talking about crowds. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. I was just gonna say at the State Fair. I mean, even the smaller candidates had like ridiculous scrums. Like I was covering Fiorina and Huckabee, and it was just like there were people everywhere. And I was with Fiorina in the sweet corn tent. And I, like, was keeping my distance because I was right next to, like, a giant pot of boiling water full of corn. <laughs> and I had another photographer who was like, are you going to get up there? Like, uh, no, no, I'm not going to get up there so you can push me into the pot of boiling water full of corn. So. I, I, I want to go back to, to the ridiculous idea of Hillary Clinton and a butter cow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the butter cow is, an, is a staple of the Iowa State Fair. And I, uh, and I understand that, and I, and I, and I think it's, that's cool, but I find it, it's, it's such a testing ground for the, for the, the, the uh, future leader of the free world is how they react <laughs> to Iowans and a butter cow. I mean, it just, I mean, it's beca- really pork chop. It, yeah, I had yeah. taken a bite of a pork chop. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, well, she couldn't even get in. Like, there was no way for her or Trump to get into that building because it was, it was so full of people. She did, she did go through the building. Did she? Oh, yeah. I went, I went through that. It was, it was tight. But I, yeah. I went wow. that, that building. I, I can just, I could just see some, some Iowan who doesn't give a crap about Hillary Clinton. Say, I waited in line for two hours <laughs> in hundred degree heat, and she just gets to walk right by. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, you know, I, I had a an interesting. Uh, we had a, a Clinton event here, and I was amazed at how many people. Um, and I don't know why it was this. Well, I think it was because it was her and Bill. And so there was a really, you know, I don't know, intense crowd reaction. Um, but how many people do that kind of weird selfie thing now where they hold their cameras up? It's kind of like, like you know, the, the uh, counting coup thing where it's like Facebook coup or, you know, they try to get a photo of the candidate and all you get from a riser are pictures of cell phones. Yeah. Yeah, always. That, yeah. that is definitely it. <laughs> Did you hear them kind of just take a collective Thud. sigh yeah, on the other I end know. of the phone? I, I, I'm right. It's like, oh, <laughs> selfies. You know, anyway. You always knew you could come back with the selfie photo. If- yeah, yeah, that that's was true. yeah. After you know, when we first started in it, it was the the you know we, we could take a picture of, of someone standing behind a microphone in a ballroom or wherever in any town in America, and it looks like any other town in right. America. But you know, trying to get local faces in these pictures with with her um or him or whoever um was you know kind of our mode of operation but then it became ridiculously redundant after every single person you know is you know and it was the same thing with when bill murray was here for the summer i mean the uh, people are so rude 
you know, it's not, hi, Mr. Murray, or hello, Secretary Clinton, or whatever, could I get a selfie with you? They grab the person and launch them, the celebrity or candidate, in front of their cell phone. And then what I love is when the phone turns off while oh, they're yeah. doing it, yeah. and they're and they're panicking, and the candidate's just like, I got to move on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your, your vote doesn't matter that much. Yeah. Did people push quite a bit? I know at the, I covered quite a few of them, but I know um, at least at a Rubio event, an old man was a, a bunch of teenage girls that were there for a field trip had rushed to go get their selfie and they had trampled this 95 year old man who had fallen down on the ground. Sex, like, See, Gloria this. Steinem is wrong. There were teenage girls at Rubio too. <laughs> They weren't just at the Bernie Sanders events. There's lots oh. of teenage girls at Rubio. I think a Bernie Sanders event was the only one where the, the crowd was really, really pushing to get, because uh, usually you're pushing against other media, but uh, uh, it was a New Year's Eve Bernie Sanders event. Lots of young people there with, all their, with their phones out. And so I think some of them think he's Larry David. Yeah, I, it could be. <laughs> so they were just they were they were really pushing. They they didn't care that you know uh, media was working. They were like, nope, I'm going to get my my selfies. So just get out of the way. I Look find. Do you find a a, a general um, uh, among the true believers mostly, um, and an automatic adversarial relationship between you and the people who are there because they're assuming. Right off the bat, doesn't matter who the candidate is, that you're against their candidate because you're. I mean, because you're in the media. You're the liberal media, or no, the conservative <laughs> media. Depending, it doesn't media. matter who the candidate is. I found I, I ran into that more on the uh, on the Republican side than I did on the Democratic side, but um, it is definitely something that you know. I think we give. We don't really talk about the rhetoric that. That, uh, you know, you, you mentioned earlier how Trump is always hating on the media in every speech. Cruz does it, too. Uh, you know, like, uh, and, it, and it rubs off on their followers, on their, on their constituents. On, and the thing is, they love, I mean, behind closed doors, they love the media. Uh, I, we did this project where we did 18 hours in the day of the caucus. Um, you know, Brian has some amazing photos of. Rick Santorum pulling his boots on in the morning at, you know, six in the morning and getting ready to go out on a, on a, on a, on a, the same day we shot, I think, nine candidates at 18 stops. And, uh, I was waiting for Ted Cruz. Uh, it would, it would sound like I was a stalker if he didn't know I was there. hotel <laughs> When he, when he showed up at midnight and, uh, the way the downtown Des Moines Marriott laid out the bar, uh, is open to the lobby. And um, I was probably drawing some attention to him, shooting pictures of him as he walked in, and some uh, guys from the New York Times and Washington Post came up, you know, beers in hand, and uh, asked him, because it, it was the night that, that Trump had announced he was going to uh, skip the debate. So they wanted to ask him about it, and he just stood there, even though he was tired, it was midnight, uh, he stood there and had laughs with him. He pulled his phone out and showed him texts from his college roommate, showed him a, a video. You know, he loves these guys. Yeah. But, but he, he scores points every day by saying, oh, the media said we couldn't do it, the media this, the media that, and, and we allow them. We don't point, out, we don't point that out to people. Uh, and then when you show up at events, a lot of times people are giving you the stink eye because you're the media, mm-hmm. you know. And it's kind of weird, you know, when when they'll he'll, they'll diss the media, and you're just standing there like, "Hi, everyone," yeah. you know, yeah. that's me. Well, I covered Ted Cruz like two hours before Zach when he was waiting for him, and the, his last event before he left for Des Moines, he was railing on the media, and I'm like one of two photographers in this really small room with not a lot of people in this really small town in Iowa, and I'm like, "Oh, hey, go my me over here yeah. taking pictures." Uh, hi, hi, everybody. <laughs> Wave. Yeah, no, it, it's it, it was you know interesting. We had the, much the same experience. The the um, the project of which you spoke. How much logistics to uh, set up with each candidate? The kind of behind the scenes feel. How much logistics planning um, went into all of that? I imagine it was a lot. It, it was a lot, and it was, um, I would say, uh, Kelly Brown, who's not here, she's in D.C. with the, uh, up at the Gannett Mothership this week, 
Uh, she did a lot of work on that, but as much as she wanted to plan it in advance, uh, it really, a lot of it didn't get planned until the day before, just because the schedulings, I mean, the, the candidates didn't have everything ironed out for their schedules. Um, a big part of that also made that work was the fact that we had reporters for every candidate. And so those reporters knew the press, the, you know, the, 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 the uh, press relations people in each campaign very well. So they were able to go to the, the campaigns and say, hey, here's the project we're working on. During the course of the day, we'd really like to get some behind-the-scenes access, a few minutes with the candidate. Um, and because of those relationships, because we had a reporter on every candidate, uh, except, for, I mean, you know, except for no relationship with Trump, uh, but because <laughs> of the relationships that the reporters had with the uh, campaigns themselves, I think we were able to to make that happen. Uh, I was texting back and forth with uh, a woman named Alice from the Cruz campaign uh, throughout the day, setting up when I would meet them at the hotel and what her stipulations were and, you know, all, all that all that kind of stuff. To But that was all put in motion uh, through, in my case, the reporter that was covering Ted Cruz. Cool. The, the pictures were great. It was yeah. really a nice to see pictures that were outside the bounds of the normal stump speech, even if you're making, you know, great pictures from that or off the ball photos. And I don't mean I meant off the I said off the ball, right? Yeah. Off the ball. I thought I said off the wall <laughs> um, that that you were a little bit more storytelling than than the, the standard stump speech pictures. But no, it was nice to see some behind the scenes good old-fashioned photojournalism going on there. The one picture I wanted to see was, you know, Bernie in the morning in his T-shirt shaving. I didn't see it. <laughs> you know, Bernie getting up early, ugh, stretching, you know, doing some cardio, shaving. Wearing those old nightcaps, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, looking like Groucho Marx like, like at Night at the Opera. <laughs> yeah. Too funny. <laughs> Okay. Um, if I wow. laugh too much, I'll start to cough again. So, do you, do you guys have any um, sort of anecdotal behind the scenes? Who was the biggest you, dick? Who was the biggest dick? <laughs> I, I think we all know who the biggest dick is. Well, okay. Outside of Donald Trump, who was the biggest dick? Um, most of them, I think, tried to be nice. The funniest thing to me, and I wouldn't say he was a dick, but Rand Paul just didn't really act like he liked people. Hmm. You know, no, like I would totally agree people. with you. Yeah, if he was giving a stump speech, he was fine. But when he would actually meet voters, he was just—he just had this look of contempt in his eyes, like, "Why am I doing this?" Wow. You I, I I totally totally agree with you. I came back from a Rand Paul event at St. Ambrose, and I'm like, "Why is this guy still doing this?" When he would pose for photos afterwards with people, it was just like, "Ugh, oh, people." You know, it was something, no offense to Hillary Clinton. It's kind of the stuff I expect from Hillary Clinton. Like, hey, muggle, stop touching me. <laughs> I covered him twice, and I agree with you. The second time, he was so uninterested. But the first time, it was his birthday that he had come. Well, it was the day after his birthday, but everyone thought it was his birthday. But he came to this River Music Experience. It's a venue we hold uh, local bands at. Anyhow, he had chugged a beer with somebody because it was his birthday, and um, cut cake and like rant, couldn't have rant, been more rant, excited. Rant, 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 rant. Complete 180 for a regular <laughs> campaign rally. He was not not interested. He did offer us the best photo op I thought of the campaign when Paul, who no longer works here, um, shot him. Um, Oh, by the way, that wasn't a shot at Paul. It was just an object. It came out of my mouth as a total shot at Paul. It was not a, if Paul wants to be here, Paul could be on mic number four, yeah. but he's not. Um, but uh, he shot him um, doing batting practice with the local minor leaguers. The mo oh, that's, mo oh, that's yeah, cool. down at, that's cool. And Zach will yeah, know where that, that is at the, at the Modern Woodman. That's cool, yeah. What do we call it? It's Modern Woodman it's now, It's Modern right? Woodman Correct. now. It used to be John I, I O'Donnell. Just want to keep, it was John O'Donnell when Zach yeah. was here. Zach was an intern at the Dispatch in the Rock Island Argus back in what year? Uh, 02, I believe. Oh, my God. Yeah. That was before <laughs> digital. Yeah. No, it was Was it after digital? I was in second grade. Uh, yeah, it was at D1Hs at the time. D1Hs, <laughs> D1Hs right. H's. Did you, everybody, hear that, what Meg just said, that it was when it, she was in second, second grade? grade yeah. <laughs> 
nice. She slipped, <laughs> nice. She slipped that in on the two gray-haired guys on either it's, microphone sitting here. We, we keep dropping references like, where's the beef? And she's clueless. <laughs> yeah, nothing. Yeah, yeah. She's Anyway. She only knows Bill Cosby as a, as a guy who molests women, not as <laughs> not America's as favorite dad. A lovable Dr. Huxtable. Yeah. Creepy. Yeah. Bad. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so we got uh, the, the uh, Rand Paul being kind of a. Anybody else have anybody who is kind of a, you know, a wiener? Rick Santorum. When I covered him, he just seemed like really like sad and angry about everything. <laughs> if you had to wear that sweater vest every day, you'd be sad and angry too. I took pictures of him at a house party in Waukee, and he just now house party <laughs> sounds like he was really jamming. House party is probably not the right way to describe it. <laughs> not, the, not the kid and play kind. Some, yeah. some mixed tapes. Uh, but he just like he just seemed like really I don't know like not like he was just bummed out about everything. He seemed really sad. I don't know. It was maybe he was just having a really bad day. Hey, America doesn't love him the way he wants to be loved. So anyway, yeah, no, it was it was interesting as time went on how, you know, Carly Fiorina showed up with all the spit and vinegar and then it, she just like sending her husband to do her bidding at the end. It's like, honey, <laughs> can you go to Iowa for me? I don't want to yeah. go to Davenport again. I, I was amazed. She did, a, a, I don't even know what it was. It was around Christmas and uh, it was like a mixer where there was food and uh, it, I think it was open to the public, but they not didn't give you any food though, did they? I didn't want it. I, I always hate eating it, stuff like that. Me too. Because I always think people are staring at me. But um, the uh, but they I was amazed at how many people showed up to like argue with her about you really? know yeah and these these were Republican faithful because you know you'd seen them at other events and um, they had bought HP computers instead <laughs> that of might Macs be, and that they might had be. a real problem because well one guy had her book and like had pages like highlighted and he was you know it was it was wow. kind of yeah it was it was. A little weird to Your me. tech support sucks. <laughs> <laughs> the, the most opposition I saw, I think, was at the fair, and that was to uh, Bush. Um, he was giving his soapbox and drawing. I mean, it, it was a, it was a pretty Republican crowd, but people were yelling things at him like, "Your brother started ISIS." Huh. Oh wow! <laughs> wow. Yeah, and and I was that was really when I saw, at least what I saw a lot of, just people just not liking. Bush, not they, you know, not wanting another Bush. Hmm. Um, there was some, you know, strong Republican opposition to him at the at the fair. Did you find him to be at all aggressive? Uh, a little bit of passive aggressive, answering questions. Like my mom yeah. made me run for president. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, actually. he was he he kind of changed his tone. There was a, I, I was going to say earlier with Rick Santorum. Rick Santorum changed his tone also. Um, I think I think the more the pe- the candidates saw Trump succeeding with a- with the anger, the more they tried to uh, turn up the heat. I is I, the impression that I got to try to tap into the anger of the Republican electorate. I like um, your wording. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, or the angry white voter. Yeah, I'm amazed at how. I mean, I'm just I, I'm uh, never. It's really interesting to me how ang- many angry white people are running around this, the, the, the state of Illinois and Iowa. And, and I, I understand why a lot of them are angry, but it was just – it seems coming, coming on the heels of Ferguson and whatnot, it's like, it's like they want – it's like there are a certain segment of society who is following Trump who has now tried to raise their game – of anger to get attention mm-hmm. because the anger of the shootings in Baltimore and whatnot and all of this, they saw that that played in the media that being really angry got them the attention to hopefully facilitate change. So now they've kind of, and I don't even think it's a collective decision in there. I don't know if there's like a home center, like, like a headquarters for angry white people. I don't know that that, and they're sending out <laughs> orders, but that, that, that seems to have been that, that, learn behavior that they, if we yell really loud someone will do something as opposed to some kind of social discord that would think maybe we could get things solved without you know like burning i mean just burning all our bridges it just mm-hmm. doesn't anyway that was my political so you know statement it's, I, it was, it's interesting that you point that out but i did have one experience that i was at i covered trump at the mississippi valley fairgrounds 
and it was a pretty big crowd. And um, you know, we had to go through. This. Was there a butter cow? There wasn't a butter cow. No. no. Butter cow. <laughs> um, but there were th- these three Indian. There's guys. a fiberglass cow. <laughs> no fiberglass. But it's not as nearly no. as interesting. Yeah, it's out, out by the gate. Yeah, yeah right. out by the gate. Mm-hmm. Um, but these three uh, Indian guys showed up, and uh, by Indian you don't I, mean I Native don't mean, American. I don't mean Native, mean Native American. Okay. I mean Southeast Asia. I think it's considered, but um, that's continent. Ge- Mister Geography. And it was just kind of yeah. Um, it was just kind of like, wow, you guys are, well, you're the brownest people here. That's for sure. But it's, it was just like, I'm kind of curious. I'd love to hear, like, are they supporters? Are they just here to listen? Uh, do they just want to kind of get close to history? Are they interested in how the crowd reacts to them? Um, and it was kind of weird watching them walk through the crowd because they definitely garnered some, some, I had know, the same experience. Yeah. Eyeballs. There were two big families from Chicago. They, hmm. one was supporters. One wanted to, I think, cause attention. Yeah. Um, it was interesting. Yeah. Did you guys have that experience at all? I, I know, um, I was talking to one of the NBC, uh, photographers, videographers, and he, he is, uh, Asian and he had somebody at, at a Trump event. They're like, are you shooting for ISIS? And he started oh, laughing. Nice. Oh, Oh nice. God! Yeah, he started laughing. and He just didn't answer, and then the guy just started screaming, "He's shooting for ISIS! He's shooting for ISIS!" Like, you, you know, know, and like, oh God! I know. You know, I'm just waiting for the headline: photographer punches caucus goer. You I know? had the same experience. I had put my well, scarf over my head, and I had someone scream I was a terrorist when I was just walking because I was cold. <laughs> That's because Donald Trump made you stand outside without your yeah. coat. Yeah. I had a big scarf. Good Lord. He didn't take your scarf? No. No, he didn't. Thank God. Well, anyway. The, uh, the, I had, a, I looked up at the ceiling and I forgot what I was going to say. That happens a lot during the podcast if you're a listener and I'll forget what I'm going to say. I was curious if you guys, I noticed that I started, um, luckily finding the same people going to this, uh, Republican yeah. events. I noticed a lot of, um, similar faces, which was nice because then I didn't have to ask for their name again. Um, it's <laughs> kind of my fail safe. Um, I know there was one woman who was dedicated. She went to Jindal. I think, am I, am I uh, saying that right? Um, if you went to a Bobby Jindal event, you are absolutely Republican. dedicated Republican. <laughs> no, she went to, I went to three and she was at all three and now she's a huge Cruz supporter and um, got a nice photo of her hugging Cruz. I mean, she's a dedicated Republican and same with Hillary Clinton. I mean, those people, I almost call them fans of Hillary Clinton. They're, mm-hmm. they're not really supporters. They're, they're, they're fans. Did you guys see any similar faces? Familiar, not similar. Oh, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think you'd, it seemed like there was people that would just go, like, oh, what do you want to do tonight, honey? Oh, well, I think Ted Cruz is in town. Let's go see him. <laughs> and they just kind of like whoever was in town. They were just going to see a show, um, whether or not they supported him or not, just to kind of hear him. And even if, you know, they were across the line, it was just like, well, they're in town. We might as well go see them and take our picture with them. It's sort of like the, cool. I mean, I mean, that's it's cool that people yeah. are engaged enough to do that. Yeah, but don't you think it, at some point it's just like the old people that go to Sam's Warehouse Club on, on the weekend to get the free handout food? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's cheaper than cable. That's true. There, there you go. There you go. <laughs> well, I think that that was one of my favorite parts. Is like we talked about earlier when they, uh, you know, people would just be going about their lives, and all of a sudden Mike Huckabee walks in on their lunch, and it's like, oh. Hey. Well, they were afraid Mike Huckabee was going to eat their lunch. <laughs> <laughs> he did steal a fry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, he did steal a fry. Nice. Well, it's like when uh, Obama went to the to the uh, made the uh, the the stop at Ross's during what was it, it was like 2 years ago. And and Obama had there was rumors he was going to be there. He was going to be there, and the woman who owns Ross's is a very nice person, and she is what you call a true believer in Barack Obama. She was just the video I have of her losing her shit, for lack of a better term, <laughs> out in front, thinking he was going to show. When he did finally show up, she was just she was like one of the teenage girls you see at the in the old films of the Beatles, you know. And so we had to make the decision. From a from a photo standpoint, that it was just me and a reporter, and our other photographers and reporters were at the where at the Alcoa factory where he was going to be, and then we had somebody at the airport. So, and and I don't know how much experience everybody has with the I seventy four bridge, but when the I seventy four bridge goes dead silent, 
and you're standing underneath it, it's really creepy because it it's never quiet. And so, um, you know, all of a sudden the owner decides she's going to leave the restaurant and go stand on the corner in case he doesn't stop. Well, we have to make the decision. If he doesn't stop, then we have a picture of her waving. If he stops but only stops at the corner to say hello to her, then we have to be there for that. But if he comes to the restaurant, we're outside. And she's outside, so maybe they'll let us in. So you have to make that calculation, calculated choice. And so the Secret Service comes flying over with the county sheriff's department I'll come off that ramp into downtown Bettendorf and we're, <laughs> we're screwed <laughs> because right at that moment we realize she's getting in and we're not. And that was that secret service moment where you're like, hi, secret service guy. I'm going to follow the owner into her restaurant. And he's like, well, who are you? Well, I'm with her. No, you're not. <laughs> oh, of course I am. <laughs> you know, how much secret service, that was a really long buildup too. Um, secret, how much secret service issues did you have? I, I guess like when I, when they did that OTR at the coffee shop, uh, you know, I was rushing Wait, over tell there. Tell everybody what an OTR is. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's an off-the-record, uh, you know, stop that's not on the schedule. Right, so it would have been and, like and, the one that she stopped at when he stopped at Ross's. It's like the Secret Service is freaked out because they're not supposed to, they haven't vetted the building yet. Yeah, yeah, so I, uh, she was already inside when I arrived, and I went to the main door, and the Secret Service stopped me, and he asked, you know, what I, who I was with and what I was doing, and I told him that I was, you know, with the Des Moines Register, and I, I, he was like, well, you know, she's already inside. And I said, well, they, they asked us to come because, you know, they had called, um, you know, and I just said, that, you know, they, they asked us to be here. And he was like, okay, we'll go to this other door. Uh, and he, he had me go around to the other side of the restaurant, and there was a, a guy there who was polite, uh, you know, had a magnetometer, um, opened my bag up, inspected my bag. And I carry a big rolling bag uh, just to keep the, you know, the, the – Oh, you're doping it? Backpack. No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you know, that I, it had my laptop. It's got chargers. It's got all my stuff in it. And so he searched the whole thing, and I'm sitting there, like, twiddling my thumbs going, you know, I hope this. I hope I don't miss this because I had just been rushing over. Um, and then he had, to, he had to call on a little headset and ask somebody to come open that back door. Uh, but once I got inside there, uh, it, she, she stood around there and talked to people, until I actually had to leave because I was supposed to be doing an ed board with uh, Rand Paul. Uh, and I actually had to let Rand Paul into our office. <laughs> but um, she stuck around and, it, you know, it, it was, you know, since it was off the record, there was nobody, you know, that was, she wasn't getting mobbed. She had real conversations with people. It was pretty cool. cool. Uh, but the whole time they, the Secret Service kept her in one area of the restaurant and they kept a path clear to that door that I had tried to come into. And at one point I had tried to swing around and shoot from the other side and the uh, agent, I shouldn't say the agent because there were like six of them, but one of the agents, you know, grabbed me by the shoulder and said, we're keeping this, this route clear. And I was like, ah, okay. Like they had a game plan for that restaurant, even though they didn't have a chance to sweep it. They kept right. her in one, in one area with a straight shot to the door and they didn't even want a photographer in between her and that door. You know, so if anything, I think I had more issues with the local officers or like local security than I did with the secret service guys. Cause most of the time, like I covered crews enough where I knew most of the staff and security around him. And by the end of it, it was like, Hey, are we going to see you tomorrow? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, those guys, those guys were fine. It was the local guys who sometimes I think were a little bit on edge, you know, trying to make sure nothing happened that were a little bit overbearing sometimes when it's like, Hey, I just need to step out here for five minutes, take a few pictures, and I'll step right back. And you're like, no. <laughs> you know? well, yeah, there's a difference between the officers in the suits and the officers in the tactical gear. They're all Secret Service, but the guys in the suits um, I found to be a little more uh, personable and friendly. You know, if, if they knew who you were. Um, yeah, if you had a relationship, they'd seen you before. Then. Yeah. Uh, whereas the guys, you know, they, they would just bring in, they have an office in Kansas City. And so if there's, you know, we have so many people here, they just would bring in uniform guys. When I say uniform, I mean like, you know, black tactical gear with, you know, U.S. Uh, written on it. Uh, those guys were not, 
uh, smiling, smiling at all. Yeah. <laughs> smiling guys in the suit, at you know, all. like they, they were they were personable and would joke with you. Uh, I, I chatted with one of them for probably an hour uh, before a Clinton event. And uh, we, we just sat there and chatted and he talked about how it was way easier on Clinton's detail now because when she was secretary of state, they had to split duties protecting her between Homeland Security and the uh, Secret Service because normally the, the secretary of state would be protected by a different branch of government. And, you know, he was sitting there and he, you know, I just chatted for an hour about protecting, you know, Hillary Clinton. Um, so some of those guys... Um, and especially, I guess, when you get to know, I mean, I don't know them, but I recognize some of them. Right, right. Uh, yeah. So, so, and they definitely, like, I, it was kind of creep. One guy creeped me out once because I was shooting, um, I should really say photographing. I was he, didn't, photographing. He, didn't, he didn't flash you, did you? Is That's not where this story is going? <laughs> uh, well, I, 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 he did not, no. <laughs> okay. He, he said... Uh, uh, as far as like getting back, I had been screened through uh, Secret Service that that day. I was spending the day um, going to, from event to event with uh, Carson, and um, so they had inspected our, our us. They had inspected our stuff. They had uh, a guy crawl underneath the press van, even though it was the, the the press van provided by the campaign. They had you know inspected the engine compartment and crawled underneath it. But we were going from location to location, and we went back to the hotel for like an hour, and the campaign guy said, well, you know, do we need to keep an eye on these guys the whole time? And the Secret Service agent was like, uh, I just need to take a really good look at all their faces. And he just stared at me for like five seconds. I was like, okay. And I was like, I think he saw my soul. Like, <laughs> like I am in, I'm, I'm etched in that guy's memory now. And, and so, you know, he was, he fantasizing was about you now that it's all over. And was going to be okay with me coming and going from, from, oh. you know, Ben Carson events. Does it creep yeah. you out that he's fantasizing about you? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny. You said, you said shooting. Uh, I should stop saying that. And it's, I literally was having a conversation with my wife on the way to shoot Hillary Clinton, to photograph <laughs> Hillary Clinton, and I, I was on, on a cell phone, and all I could think of is, you know, if this NSA stuff is true, there's probably right. a little little red flag behind my name right now. Oh, and, yeah. yeah. The, the drones well, are circling over. But these are the same people that when you were covering the first lady, I filled out the paperwork oh, yeah. to have you vetted, and we have the same first name. <laughs> And so you showed up to the event. I filled out the paperwork with your social security number and your name. And when you got to the event, they told you you couldn't come in because you weren't me. Yeah. Now, this is the government that is here to protect us yeah. and is, you know, really. And so I'm on the, I'm at, you know, and, and you guys know how bad Kinnick Stadium is to get a phone call in or out of it. Um, I'm sitting in my seats at Kinnick Stadium and my phone buzzes and it's Todd standing next to a a unmoving Secret Service agent that won't let him in to the Wharton Fieldhouse to cover an event in our town. And and so I have to run down to, to, to the concourse to um, while everybody's buying their hot dogs and whatnot and try to get a quieter voice to explain to him that you didn't vet my social security number. The person who you vetted is standing right in front of you. Yeah. You didn't vet me, you know? And, it was, and so it's kind of, it's kind of scary that, you know, even though they're doing all these things and jump, making us jump through all these hoops, you can still have the, you know, the two men named Todd throws the complete go the yeah. government security <laughs> out of whack. Yeah. Yeah, that is a little scary. Yeah. Yes. So the next photographer I hire when Todd retires is not, not going to be, be named Todd. Todd. <laughs> Surprisingly, her name will be Meg. No, that's, just no, kidding. That's, that's, uh, Toddism, man. It's Toddism. Yes. Yeah. It's 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 anti-Toddism. <laughs> Well, hey, I've got to go shoot a portrait, um, so I'm I'm going to sign off. This is Zach. Uh, good talking to you guys. Hey, Zach. Thanks very much for participating. Yeah, you guys have a great day. All right, we'll see you. Thank you. So the caucuses that are, are over, is there anything you miss about caucus? The What is it, 18 months? It's about 18 months of, of, of sheer nonsense, isn't it? Something like that. Yeah. I think so. I, mean, I came in in May, and it was in full swing at that point, so... So is there anything you miss about it? Is it the the opportunity to, to cover real slash staged events on a regular basis <laughs> and that's your whole day? 
or now it's three assignments or two assignments and you know zach's going to go shoot you know a headshot of some local high school teacher or something yeah, I mean, the only assignment I've shot so far this week was a tour of a fancy house. So, <laughs> wow. You know, uh, I was definitely busier two weeks ago. You're thinking Trump wasn't so bad. Yeah. <laughs> How can I get to New Hampshire? Oh, Christ, that's over too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and nobody Carolina. wants to go. No, nobody. We have no listeners in South Carolina, so I can say this because I get the traffic. No, I'm just kidding. How, how do you guys feel like the campaign's portray or even the national media portray iowa i mean do you think it's accurate that's a great question um kind of we touched on earlier about how they uh how they tried to well i think the thing that kind of my nerves was all the stories about like des moines is interesting (laughs) (laughs) and then then we would do stories about them doing stories about des moines yeah (laughs) like really uh so all of these national media coming in and like discovering Iowa and discovering Des Moines and all of these these goofy things and we we're here we have things like yeah what was interesting that I after a while I I thought that the national television media especially was using the term in the heartland with a bit of derision in the in the tone he's like i'm still in the heartland i just want to go back to my new york apartment mm-hmm. So. Or everything had a, had a tone of like quaintness to it, like it yeah. was never yeah. legitimately fun or cool or nice. So I was like, oh, that was that was cool for Iowa. Clearly, <laughs> they've never seen Danny Frazier's work, which is the most the most depressing look at Iowa in the history of photography. So they needed to, to show that there is some, you know, it's not all quaint. Mm-hmm. We have meth addicts too. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not just corn. Yeah. By the way, I love Danny, but that was just, I mean, his, the Driftless is like, oh my God, that look at Iowa is so depressing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, open and honest, but yet depressing. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it's interesting because it, um, you know, I've covered a bunch of these. And so I, I remember my favorite are when, when you see national media people who you see on television on a semi-regular basis practicing their stand-up in the corner, you know, talking to no one. I've always, uh-huh. God, I've always found that weird. Yeah. Yeah. I just TV always... Voices, TV voices always sound different in person. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. It, it sounds normal when you're watching it on TV, but when you're hearing them say it live, I, it's like, it sounds very weird. Well, you know, Candy Crowley's voice, really, after, before the auto-tune, she sounds like, you know, <laughs> a cartoon character, but then they deepen her voice... For, I'm kidding. You know, earlier someone mentioned the Denmark crew that was here. Yeah. And I ended up on the same riser standing next to those guys, and they did a live. And you uh, know it's the same guys. It's, it's got to be the same guy. We had yeah. the same guys, yeah. And, um, <laughs> they All did. of Denmark only two. Well, you know how many. You know. But how many are here? You know, like, yeah. I got to believe that's yeah. a pretty small I mean, number. That, yeah. But uh, they were doing a live shot next to me, and it was at that kind of time of uh, the stump speech. You know, it's where it's, you, you know, it's I've got this photo covered. I'm just waiting so I can get out of, you know, this riser and onto another riser, or, you know, maybe get, you know, get your selfie with the candidate. My, yeah, get my selfie with the candidate. Dang right. Yeah. Gonna uh, <laughs> have that Facebook coup. But uh, he started talking, and I was, and all of a sudden it was like, that that's not, I'm, that's I, not English. That's not English. Yeah, that was. It, that's like not even close to. Did, it was did, just weird. Were there any Japanese crews? I always find the Japanese crews because they have to broad. They have to do their live shots in the middle of the what is, you know, seemingly a weird time to yeah. do it here, but is you know. I didn't see any other part of the world. That mean I anything. did. At, um, I saw a handful, but never doing a live shot. But I did see a couple of Japanese crews running around. I saw them quite a bit with. Um, I saw a lot of different, um, like. Worldwide media with Sanders quite a bit. Um, The most diverse, different kinds of media with Sanders. The thing, the story, the the story about you getting kicked out of Bernie Sanders is so comical because here's this grass. You got kicked out by, and we were talking about how the local. I remember now after having looked up at the ceiling and forgotten what I was going to say was the, the fact that, the the most Todd coined the phrase the most the 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 biggest 
how what was it the biggest threat the big, to american democracy to is a, is a is a local volunteer a with a clipboard with a clipboard and a radio yep yeah forget, so you, forget nazis forget the clan yeah it's it's a it's a volunteer with a clipboard and a radio yeah okay, you can't come in well why can't i come in you're not on my list <laughs> my list uh, can, can we get yeah. a hold of somebody <laughs> can we yeah i don't please. have their number i don't yeah <laughs> I'm not calling them for I'm this. not calling them. No, I don't want to look bad. Yeah. It's like, I'm just, you know, I'm from the local paper. There's yeah. only two, three other media in this small room. Why is it such a big deal? Yeah. You know, but anyway, yeah. but it's always some, some guy with a local, you know, it's the same thing when you, you go to anything where you have the mall cop who wants to stop you from taking a picture in, in the mall or outside the mm. mall or two blocks from the mall or something. Oh, they're the worst. Yeah. Yeah, they've got they've got they've got a list of priorities that they've been given by their boss and that that minimum wage job they want to uh-huh. keep under no some they, no they know how terms. the media works yes yeah. the people it, they're talking about that had kicked me out um they're they were the local campaign manager like they were just local campaign volunteers um they had i wasn't in the press pool area i had no idea i I guess I was just ignorant and thinking like I just show up with my camera because it's just a little office. His field office here is, I mean, probably the size of this studio, which is you know it's like a a regular bedroom almost size. (laughs) We're in a closet. It's packed full. Your bedroom is this big? No, it's not. But (laughs) with this big a ceiling, weird. Things you learn about your coworkers. I'm fascinating, but it was. I mean, it was small, and they said that it was. It was not open to press, it, but it, it was open to the public event, but not open to press event, which was confusing. Anyhow, he um, he had said, since I'm not on the list, I can't go in. Um, we only have one photographer on the list today. Turns out it was our competitor. So at least like they they only let in local media, but only let in one. He uh, he kicked me out. I go, well, then can I be a member of the public? He goes, yeah. So I walk in and I um, I find a mother with two kids, obviously the go-to. Took, the took one of their babies away from yeah. her and walked in like, you know, you're just regular people. Working on not doing that because that's something I would do. But anyway, I love babies. We went over to, I went over, followed them. I thought, okay, well, I'll just get a picture with, you know, Sanders and the kids and then run out because they're going to kick me out. But I'm there. And um, the actual campaign manager for Bernie Sanders, one of them, she came up to me and said, well, you have to act like the member of the public then. You cannot, like, if you could take pictures, but they're not going in a paper. And I was like, I'm done. Yeah. Like, I just like, had I'm, left. I'm pretty sure you can't tell me that. Waited by his bus then to get him leaving. Because it's just, I, I'm i done. Act like a member of the, the public. Yeah. yeah. So you had to take a selfie with him? Is that the That's deal? Right. I tried everything I could, but I was getting trampled on by a lot of different teenagers for Bernie Sanders. Tuesday's piercings. Dispatch Argus cover, Meg's selfieing because she's just <laughs> pretending to be a... B- yeah. They're Burn laughing the like I haven't thought about it so many times with these candidates. Uh, uh, anyway, so so what's the big story in Des Moines now that everybody's gone? Basketball. Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah. Can I ask if you guys with a lot of, there's been a lot of caucus talk about how Iowa's handled the caucus. Have you guys had any grief? Anybody talk to you about it? The, the any voting fraud for either oh, of them? Yeah, I was going to mention, I liked your the Des Moines register. Um, uh, the call for, um, I don't know. Recounts, not the right word, but recalculation of the, of the votes. Well, the democratic caucus is ridiculous. Oh. Right. Yeah, there's nothing to recount. I think so. Oops, I think they miscalculated, but they... No one's really mentioned anything to me, at least. Interesting. I don't know about it. Um, I, think, I think most of the general public's just kind of glad it's it's over. <laughs> Were any of you there for when the, any of these coin flips happened? No, it's not at a coin flip. I was, no, I was at Ted Cruz all night. I was at a, a rural caucus site, which was inside of a home of someone oh i saw those that was that's weird it was really fascinating because i i moved here from texas last year and so covering elections in texas you're not allowed within a certain number of feet from the polling place you can't shoot them voting and so for me to be in the room as they're caucusing i kept thinking am i supposed to be here should i, <laughs> right. should I be outside like why are you letting me do this and so uh it was, it, was, it was interesting to watch. It was interesting to watch that process. For the Democratic um, caucus, it, the way they did it, at least in Scott County, they counted heads on sides of rooms. Um, it was yeah. new for me to even experience that. 
I realized that they had counted me as I was leaving because I was on the side of the Bernie Sanders, um, that I was a part of the count, me and a, another reporter there. And so uh, he was he was brilliant. He was the one that figured it out and came in. And I was like, oh, I doubt it. Come on, let's just go. Hurry up. Let's leave. But he came up and <laughs> like, I didn't think anything of it. But they actually did count us. And Sanders would have won then that side. Um, at least for that caucus, but then it was even when we said it wasn't us. So I wasn't sure if any of you guys. Um, you needed to have a hat that said "Don't count me." Yeah, yeah I right. mean, did you did you have any of that kind of issue, or did you say anything to any of the the caucus delegate leaders? At first, I, I stand out with the camera, so they didn't count, they didn't count me in the house in the home caucus. But it was funny to watch their uh, their the camp the caucus leader for the Hillary side was counting people and. And somebody with that was, you know, there to caucus was like, no, no, you counted wrong. It's actually, you know, 29, not 26. And she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I was like, wait, is someone going to verify this number? <laughs> yeah. It seems uh, pretty unofficial, yeah. Will you yeah, stop it's, counting it's the caterer? Uh, <laughs> yes, so caterers all across the state of Iowa are getting counted inadvertently. So anyway, well, we can't thank you enough. I thought that this was a uh, was something we needed to do, and we couldn't really do it by ourselves because we, we needed somebody, a, a group of photographers that were really in the the heart and the thick of it to, to be able to give us a, a, a give our listeners a um, all four of them um, uh, a um, we have listeners in New Zealand, by the way, to distract myself. I always find that interesting when it hmm. pops up in the statistics that there are people listening to us in New Zealand. That is one bored dude. Yeah, one really could bored dude. Could be my brother. Dude. Is that your brother? It could this? be my brother. He's studying abroad in New Zealand. Oh, well, that blew. That kind of blows. It's not nearly <laughs> as sexy wow. Not to pop the bubble. Sorry. Oh, my bubble has been burst anyway. But anyway, we thought we needed to discuss the Iowa caucuses because it was such a, um, a hot topic, and especially as the way the media was treated, and we wanted to kind of get a really good inside look at it and you guys provided that we really really appreciate your time yep yeah thanks thanks for asking thanks for calling no problem problem. all right we will see you guys down the line and uh john deere classic yeah john you're gonna send somebody to the john deere send zach so he can come and sweat yeah we're keeping it with an extra shirt that's right please um by the way when did we move they moved it though it's not going to be in july it'll be over august it's uh august 9th is definitely one of the dates Um, oh so it's it's still it's still going to be hot but it won't be july hot no so right from that just stay fair yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring your butter cow. All right, guys. <laughs> All right. Thanks very much for talking to us. We'll thanks, see you later. Bye bye. Have a good one. Bye. That went really well. Yeah, they're, they're really so nice. They are. Yeah, there are a lot of them. They, I thought they gave some very good insight. But anyway, so that was good. Yeah, we're still recording, but they're not here anymore. All right. Well, this is a big one because right now it times out of the dollar twenty-five. I think you're oh, wow. gonna have to do some. I'm gonna have to do here. some thinning, kids. Yeah. All right. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. I'm Todd Meisner. I'm Todd Welbert. And I'm Mike McLaughlin. And we've been talking Iowa caucuses. We'll see you in four years, folks. <laughs> All right. Bye bye. The Talking Pictures Podcast is a production of The Dispatch, The Rock Island Argus, and QCOnline.com. To see some of the photos and videos discussed in our podcast, be sure to go to talkingpicturespodcast.blogspot.com. Talking Pictures is produced by Todd Meisner, Paul Coletti, and Todd Walbert. Thanks to Laura Anderson Shaw, Meg McLaughlin, Laura Frames, and Randy Fisk. The music was provided by Kevin McLeod at www.incomputech.com. Make sure you subscribe to Talking Pictures on iTunes or SoundCloud. But from everything that I've heard from you in the last, you know, however many weeks, Meg, th- this was such a new experience that it was exciting. Uh, what did you What did you find exciting about it? I've I mean I'm pretty excited about everything, um, <laughs> but I'm kind of like a golden retriever. I really thought what was exciting was I felt <laughs> I think it, it felt like I was doing something. Bigger.